0: Today's episode is brought to you by Vivo
1: Life. If you're after plant-based supplements that are also sustainable and ethical, I recommend Vivo Life. They make all of their products in their renewable energy-powered factory in Glastonbury here in the UK and they are a certified carbon neutral company planting one tree for every single order they receive. Now many health professionals on this podcast have taught me that a healthy diet is the most important thing but sometimes the right supplements can fill in the gaps that our diets are missing. I take their vitamin D3, omega-3 and B12 daily as they keep my immune system in check and hit the key nutrients that can be hard to get when following a plant-based diet. So if you're looking for natural plant-based supplements that can help you feeling energized and healthy then head over to vivolife.co.uk and use the discount code TALKINGTASTEBUDS to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks very much to Vivo Life. Welcome back to Talking Taste Buds Season 6. I'm Venetia LaManna and in this series I chat to inspiring thinkers and leaders who encourage people like you and me to live a conscious and full life. Kenny Ethan Jones is an activist and model. He is perhaps best known for his lead role in Pink Parcel's I'm On campaign, in which he made history by being the first trans man to front a period campaign. Kenny's work focuses on menstruation, body politics, mental health and intimacy. I was absolutely delighted when he agreed to being on the show as I am so inspired by his work and I think so many of you will really appreciate hearing about his life and activism. In the conversation we discussed jacket potatoes, online activism during the pandemic, inclusivity in the media, internal periods, healthcare for trans people, sex education, long distance relationships and banoffee pie. I've left lots of useful links in the show notes including a link to a petition to protect young transgender individuals which just takes a minute to sign so do check those out right then on with the show kenny hello welcome to talking taste
2: buds thank you lovely to be here
1: so let us start as we always do what did you have for breakfast
2: i had a jacket potato <laughs> <And> that's quite <laughs> a heavy breakfast but i don't know just cuz like cuz i'm at home so much i just feel like i don't know starting my day with potato just makes sense it's quite a heavy substance to eat but it just keeps you rolling throughout the day so
1: did you have it plain or was there anything in it
2: no 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 no. so jacket potatoes always come with beans and cheese that's throughout and then i have a like if i had salad in the house i did today so i had a side portion of salad that's like i love jacket potatoes always had since a kid it was the only thing i ate throughout secondary school so i have a very fond fond loving for jacket potatoes (laughs) with beans and cheese
1: You're the first jacket potato breakfast I've ever had in six seasons, so thank you for that.
2: (laughs) Just eat what I want to, to be honest.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's how it should be. That's absolutely how it should be. So let's actually rewind the clocks a little bit. Can you tell us about where you were born and whether or not you have any strong memories of food during that time?
2: So I was born and raised in London. I've lived in the same area my entire life, basically. I'm um, Northwest London. London. Um, in terms of food that comes to mind, I was obsessed, and still am, obsessed with cabbage. Like, I love cabbage. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just great. And it's one particular cabbage. It's the medley, that green cabbage from Marks and Spencer's. Like, as a child, if you asked me, do I want Harry Rose or cabbage? I would say cabbage, hands down. Everyone thought I was so weird for it, but I, I don't know. I just absolutely loved cabbage
1: so healthy
2: yeah do you know what i don't even know where it comes from it's just yeah so i have that the other kind of memory do you know it was such a fun question when i seen it i was like this is so great so the other one is cheeseburgers from mcdonald's right because i was what i would call a fake vegetarian at the time and i would take the meat out and just have the bun and ask for cheese and lettuce instead but bring the bun home to give to my dog because i wouldn't eat the meat Oh. But every, all of my friends would be like, why are you ordering a cheeseburger, Kenny, if you're not going to eat like, the meat? And I'd be like, no, I'm going to give it to my dog. But then everyone called me a fake vegetarian on the basis. That meat was obviously in the bun. Yeah. So, yeah, that was but a fun period.
1: You know what? That meat didn't go to waste.
2: Yeah, no, just gave it to my dog. He loved it. So I was like, and plus it's a pound and they'll give me the cheese for free. So I was like, there's no, you know I am mean? Sorry, they'll give me the lettuce for free. So I was like, it makes sense. And the other food, which is, again, a love of mine, is steak. So again at this point in my life i was a vegetarian and i started to get um pigmentation so my skin started to like plodge with white spots and it was because i wasn't eating enough like nutritious food basically um i never ate fish so i wasn't substituting it in any way and so for years i walked around telling everyone i was a vegetarian right um turns out actually my mum had been giving me steak for about three years and i didn't know it was steak so you know how you make egg and soldiers so you make the bread and you dip it in egg. My mum did that with steak and told me it was fake
0: meat. <laughs> so <laughs> so sorry steak. to love. What?
2: Yeah, so I ate steak for three years, not realising it was steak. And then, so I didn't realise until one of my friends came round once and, like, stole one from me. I was like, Kenny, this is meat. I was like, no, it's not. It's fake. And so obviously my mum <laughs> was like, yeah, I've been feeding you steak this entire time. <laughs> My childhood was a lie, basically. <laughs>
1: Gosh, that is quite harrowing.
2: I know. And it was like, at the time, so when I realised my mum had already passed, so I couldn't even say anything. I couldn't even cast because the moment had gone. But I was so pissed off about it. I was like, so I was just out here believing I was a full-fledged vegetarian. No. Eating steak for years.
1: And of all the things as well. Like, it's not just like, I don't know, a bit of tuna or something yeah. like it's how it's heavy it's heavy yeah, heavy meat.
2: it's because she knew like I obviously knew what chicken tasted like but I never really experienced steak so she had to give me something which I didn't know so obviously if you've never tried anything you don't kind of know I thought oh this is great this tastes great it tastes like me but I didn't you know I didn't think my mom would lie to me <laughs>
0: oh my
1: goodness
2: but yeah so and now I love steak <laughs> and now much. you
1: love steak you come full circle
2: Yeah, love state, absolutely love state.
1: What an incredible story. (laughs) Now, you are someone who has achieved so much and you're an inspiration to so many people. Navigating 2020 and these times is pretty challenging. How has this year been for you so far? And how has the pandemic been for you as well? And how are you approaching your activism during this time too? Because things have shifted so
2: much. I haven't been doing much activism. <laughs> That's kind of what I've what I've resorted to because I don't know. I have this belief, the strong belief that false content is bad content. And when we went into quarantine, I just didn't have that motivation that I had normally from. I think a lot of my motivation comes from engaging with people, um, seeing the wrongs in the world and like wanting to change it, but I'm very much a person that gains energy from other people. So being in my house surrounded by myself only um you know i just lacked motivation so i just kind of said that i'm not going to force any content and i'm going to be very honest with how i'm feeling um so all of the posts that i have done through quarantine have been more just acknowledging how i'm feeling and just saying to other people that it's okay if you feel like this or it's okay you know however you're navigating this time there's no right or wrong way i think within the first week or two weeks everybody was like trying to you know act like not act like nothing was going on but trying to run through things Like everyone was like i'm still working i'm still getting up at nine o'clock in the morning they were still doing their daily routines i'm just sat there like this isn't going to last forever like it's not it's it's not possible there's too much change right now to act like you can't you can't continue activism and not be sensitive at the time it just it, it doesn't feel authentic so i think the one good thing out of this period is that i've spent a lot of time looking inwards and actually educating myself I've bought 13 books in the last two weeks. Like (laughs) it's a lot of books and I'm reading a lot more and you know, doing lots of other creative projects for myself. And it's just been nice to have time for myself because I give so much away to companies when I work with them, whatever else, and go into events and you know, trying to trying to meet people, keep a buzz about my name. Whereas this kind of period, I'm doing the exact opposite. And I'm like, okay, let's educate myself so that when we go back into the real world quote unquote. I'm, you know, I'm more educated. I can talk about more things, but everybody has a different approach. I've seen people pick up new hobbies, uh, you know, like my friend, she keeps like going on bike rides and like doing her own chronicles. And I think that's great and I love it. And I think that any, like, however you're you're getting through this time, just, you know, there's no right or wrong way. It's just whatever works.
1: Have you started making sourdough or anything like that?
2: So I did do, so (laughs) I picked a really weird challenge. I didn't want it to be work. Because like, I don't think that's a good way to go into this. I said, I want it to be fun. I want it to be something that's really kind of in tune with who I am. So I said that basically I wanted to be able to do a handstand, a free hand, like a free hold handstand. That was like my goal. And I want to be ho- able to hold it for 10 seconds. So that's my goal of quarantine. If I can achieve that, I am a happy man. So currently I'm up to five seconds. That's um, pretty and, good. Yeah. And I know that I'm going to need the, the wall of support. So I'm getting there. Day by day, getting there.
1: Nice. I love that. Yeah. I feel like we've had very similar experiences of quarantine. Like I have felt like I'm always someone who doesn't post online unless I really am um, feel inspired and, and encouraged to. Like, I feel like I have that, like, you know, when you get that buzz in you and you're like, I need to say something. Mm-hmm. So I've always been like that, but yeah, I've been really using this time to like really educate myself and read as much as I can. But some days I just don't get out of bed. Like this yeah. week on Wednesday, I didn't leave the house until 6 PM. And I literally walked for two minutes and that was, I think I took 500 steps for the entire day.
2: Fair, but do you know what I mean? I think we need to listen to our bodies. Like there's no point trying to fake the mood that we're in or fake that this is an okay time. Like it, it's fine, just accept it, just sit with it. I hate the kind of idea of like pushing positivity. Like you're meant to feel sad, like sit in it, feel it. Like if you're unmotivated, sit in it, it's fine. Life is a cycle and I think when we deny those cycles, like it's it's not helpful at all. I watched I binge watched Netflix the other week for about I think it was like 13 hours. So I became obsessed with a series. I I didn't feel bad about it. I was like, do you know what? That's what I needed.
1: What was the series? Do you mind me asking?
2: Um Money Heist. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's very intense.
1: This year has also been an especially difficult time for the LGBTQIA plus community. And this hasn't been made any easier by MP Listross's statement on the Gender Recognition Act recently. Her comments on under-18s were particularly awful and really, really sad and made me feel really sad. What would be your message to younger LGBTQIA plus people right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, when I seen that, I felt sad. Um, I felt like the younger me was attacked, um, especially around the idea of um, hormone blockers. because. I went on hormone blockers for two years and that for me I feel like made such a big difference with my transition and the way that I look because those two years of putting my body, my puberty on pause, you know, that's a really big difference, especially at that age. I was eight, I was 16 to 18, was such a such a big part of my development as a human. So I don't know what I would look like today without those blockers. I might look less masculine and I don't think I would appreciate that. So people, people who aren't trans making decisions on trans bodies, it doesn't it's never sat well with me. They're not in the right place to make that kind of decision. Um, but the one thing I will say for like younger trans kids that you know feel disheartened by that information is that it will be met with more activism. like nobody is going to sit around and allow that to happen. like I definitely won't. like I don't want the thing is I don't worry about these things. I know it's all speculative and okay it does give a kind of clue to what is coming but i think until the gender recognition act actually comes out for me it's like i don't want to look at it i don't want to look at it until i basically have to fight against it because i don't want to be sitting in the what ifs can happen i don't feel like that's a good way to live activism it will be met with heavy activism everyone be like no this is not the right decision you can't be doing this like they need autonomy it's their body i know it's hard to say but don't necessarily worry about or just don't think about it too much and when it comes to that time and if it is a bad decision then I'm ready on the sidelines, like, let's go, because that I don't, I wouldn't be okay with that decision. You know, and many other activists won't.
1: Absolutely. I, I just feel like why aren't we, why don't we have trust in younger people? Like, why do we not trust them? You know who you are when you're young. And I don't know why we we're not trusting young people with that so much. I don't know why we suddenly have this or we have this mistrust for young people.
2: Yeah, no, you're completely right. I don't know where it stems from. I just think that it's, a, it's an adult thing isn't it like we're right kids are wrong you know if i go back to my earlier days i knew i was trans you know i knew i didn't say you no know, i was trans because i didn't know that word even existed but i knew i wanted to be a boy end of story like i knew intrinsically like that was who i was it just wasn't that way to the world um and nothing that anybody could say would have swayed that from me it was just who i was and so to think that basically you know someone is turning around and saying no you are wrong in how you feel just seems silly how, and then, and then instead, like, not even believing, that actually now you're trying to control their bodies instead because you don't believe them. That's ridiculous. It's not okay.
1: What are some, uh, some of the aspects of living in the UK that you think have got better or worse for trans, non-binary and intersex youth since you were
2: a teenager?
1: Because mm. you're 26. You just turned 26, didn't you? Yes. Happy yeah. birthday.
2: Thank you very much. <laughs> Entering <laughs> my late 20s.
1: Oi, oi. <laughs> These are the good years, I'm telling you.
2: <laughs> I'll say your <laughs> word for it. I think the one thing I would say is that's gotten better is representation, 100%. Like, I see a lot more trans and non-binary people than I ever did growing up. Um, a lot of what I've seen growing up was trans women. I didn't really see trans men, non-binary people didn't even exist to me as a concept. No idea what that was. Um, so yeah, I would say that. i say what's gotten worse is the conversation around trans people, the, that people believe that they can debate our existence has been the number one thing that I've seen because obviously, you know, with visibility comes the fight for rights. And then with the fight for rights comes someone who opposes that decision. And then that's caused all of this conversation like and clickbait titles, you know, even myself in certain press, you know, they're, they're titles that I'm like, you know, you're just you're just clicking these. You're just making you're just writing these as clickbait. So, yeah, I think that's probably the worst, the worst and, and best that's happened that I've seen since growing up.
1: Could you tell me a little bit about being a part of Pink Parcel's I'm On campaign? It was so, so great to see you in that. Can you tell us about it?
2: Yeah, sure. So that was in March of 2018. They sold, the name of the company was Pink Parcel, and they sold subscription boxes. Um, and yeah, so they contacted my modern agency, and they said they want to do you know a peer campaign. And when I got the email, I was convinced that it was the wrong email they sent it to. I was like, this isn't for me. Why, like, why do they want me to be involved in a peer campaign? But basically the email stated that you know, they wanted to represent that it wasn't just women who bleed. And I sat there with it for a minute. And I was like, this is so true. Like, I'd never seen it in that concept, but like, it was my lived experience. and That's what I was currently going through. I, I had to sit on that for a while of whether or not I should do that because I didn't really understand the, the power of media at that point. I traded stocks and currencies. I, I worked from home. I basically lived in a box. Like. I didn't understand media as a whole, so um, I didn't kind of know what to expect from that campaign. And I had done smaller campaigns before because I'd still been a model, but nothing like this. My heart told me to do it. My mind said no, because it was like my heart wanted, you know, I knew that trans men uh, would be able to relate to it. And then uh, my mind was like, you know, you're going to be opening yourself to a lot of negative comments. And are you ready to deal with that? So I had to think about my mental health. But ultimately I decided that I think the decision is I should do it. So I did that campaign and it just went everywhere. I had no idea what was happening or how to manage it or, or anything else. Um and so yeah, that kind of like kick started everything. That's exactly why I am where I am today, because of that campaign. Um and then the more I you know, I didn't wake up one day and say I want to be a champion for periods. That's not I think that people believe that's how it was, it wasn't it. It was just I fell into it. And then the more I started to do things, the more I was like, I seen the need for the conversation because it lacked in everywhere. Like whenever I'd seen, you know, campaigns or anything, it was just referencing to women. And again, it wasn't even really diverse or inclusive in any way. I was like, this needs to change. Like I can't now, you know, once you've seen something, you kind of can't unsee it. It was that moment of, I can't step back now. So I just said to myself, I'll keep going. And if it ever gets to a point where it's too much, then I'll stop. But if I'm comfortable and I can do it and I can persist through, let's keep going and that's kind of been my motto ever since and now we're two years on and you know i'm doing lots of amazing things and and lots of things outside of periods
1: since those two years have passed do you think the understanding within the media has developed and changed somewhat like are you really are you encouraged by any change that you've seen or do you think not enough has changed
2: i think we're at a base level of change like you know, like always removing the feminine label and also just like the language that like companies are being more inclusive to that. But I think actual understanding of the dysphoria that trans men face, the access to products, the effect that it has on our mental health is something that's really just not seen. It's kind of just, it's a very, I don't know what the, how to describe it, but it just seems very, it's not that it's fake. It's just not all what it is. It's just a very basic understanding of what it is. It's kind of like, oh yeah, trans men have periods. Great. Cool. We, we acknowledge that. Let's use inclusive language but there's no understanding of what it is to be a trans man and go through a period um so i feel like that's very much lacking but i think that we need to start somewhere and that this is a good start
1: you you speak really openly about it or you have spoken really openly about it on instagram and you you're so just you're so honest which is as a reader and as a viewer like really wonderful to read and really insightful and you've also started is it you're kind of coining the term in internal period right can yeah. you tell us about that too
2: so internal periods was an idea that i came up with because so i've been on testosterone for eight years now and into my fifth year i started to have problems with my period so i they completely disappeared nobody didn't know nothing was fine five years and then suddenly i was starting to get spot in and like period pains um and it was no like obviously i hadn't had a period in five years and to my understanding testosterone should stop that um i still have my womb and everything so you know the, the function could still happen but essentially testosterone should stop that so when i started to get what these pains i didn't automatically diagnose them to be period pains because i was like this shouldn't be happening and it hasn't happened for five years but then as i went on i started to get like really bad period pains and i started to get spotting again and that's kind of been the case now so like it's really irregular sometimes I'll have a full blown period, um, but it'll happen like every three months, and there's no routine to them. I can't really like, I can't put my hands on or where like when it's gonna happen or anything. So it's quite difficult to to manage. So that post that you're referring to in terms of like internal periods was the one where I said, you know, this is the first time in seven years, I think eleven months, I've had a period, and it was a full blown kind of pre T period, and it was just that shock of like, wow, this this can still happen um you know because again in the medical field it's not something that they tell you about you know you go on testosterone you assume that period stopped end of. so when it happened I thought something was really wrong or my levels were bad but I was taking testosterone in the same way in which I always should have so yeah internal periods was kind of that discussion of saying that trans men still can experience periods while being on testosterone
1: in so many interviews that I've seen you do I'm always struck by the sense that like you just weren't it feels like you weren't given enough information. Where is that information? Like surely that needs to be more readily available. And is that happening within the medical world or not enough still?
2: I feel like it's not enough. Like I feel like everything else around trans, like transness as a whole is moving forward apart from the medical field. Like even like when it comes to surgeries, I don't feel like they've evolved. I feel like surgeons have gotten better at doing them, but there's no change to the procedures themselves. So, medical field as a whole, I just feel have put the pause on trans people. I just feel like it's not seen as as important. Like even when I was trying to do research into like cancer and the increase of that, or the potential increase of me potentially having cancer because of my testosterone levels, cancer research, which is one of the biggest charities that I know that do research into cancer, basically turn around and say that they don't know on their website. Yeah. And even when you try to Google and do research, like the only way that you can find like particular I don't know, like research papers is if you know, someone sends you those papers. They're not searchable. So it's like, to an extent, I do believe that the information does exist, but it's just not accessible. And it's not put in words that somebody who hasn't studied those things would understand. Like, I spent about 20 minutes on some of those just trying to understand the different terminologies that they were using because I, as somebody who's not really in the science world or anything, i like a doctored medical field, had no idea, <laughs> you know, what they were talking about. So I had to, yeah, it's just, it's really frustrating to think that, you know, everything else is kind of moving forward or kind of, you know, being discussed, whether or not it's back and forth or whatever, it's being discussed. And medical, it's just kind of standstill.
1: Yeah, that's super frustrating because we need people to be healthy. We need everyone to be healthy and feel safe and secure.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like health is just, it's us. It's, a, it's like, we need that but it's something that it's completely lacking. I don't understand how everything else seems to move forward. And health is on a standstill. I don't, I've never understood it to be honest, but that's why I think a lot of my kind of activism at the moment has moved towards that space. Like I'm trying to work with more cancer charities um, and more, more, more charities that work with health basically in whatever capacity that be. Um, like Buddy Good Period, I'm ambassador for them. Um, you know, and I try to open up the conversation around trans men experiencing periods in hopes that, you know, People will just see that trans men experience in periods and then we might talk more about health. Like it might just be a thing that naturally occurs. Yeah, I guess it's when it comes down to funding and governments don't necessarily want to fund into trans health
0: care.
1: Mm. Oh. Yeah. Um.
0: <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
1: Moving on slightly to the recent video that you posted on Instagram. Um you did a Q&A about sex and dating.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was a great video and I'd love to see more because I noticed that you haven't done that many. I'd love to see more. Um, me personally, I'm sure it's like the rest of everyone else who follows you too. <laughs> um but do you think there's enough in the way of great inclusive sex education online and in the media in general? Because I know there's like a lot of podcasts that are kind of I feel like that are getting to one to specific like groups of people but I mean kind of like wider media and um what are you planning on bringing to that conversation
2: well it's a difficult one I feel like with the kind of sex industry as a whole in terms of, let's talk about like more sex education you know i have seen a lot more platforms do great things and podcasts and they are inclusive of trans people and they're very good with language and I love that but it's like they're not You know trans men or trans women aren't really talking about sex on these podcasts really and truly and i get it it's because it's so dysphoric for some people to talk about you know it's we've kind of been believed that our bodies are shameful so we don't necessarily want to talk about them so it's difficult and the reason to why i decided to do that that particular video is because i started to get a lot of questions in my in my dms about sex um you know particularly from partners that was with trans people and they'd be like oh my boyfriend's a trans man he's pre-op I'm finding it really difficult to to have sex with him because he just feels very uncomfortable anytime you have any tips and it was like a similar kind of question coming over and over again I was like why is this happening you know so then I I thought okay let's do some research into the channels in which you know I know of that talk about sex kind of the popular podcasts that I've been on and things like that and I was like there really isn't much like not from the perspective of a trans person so I said you know what i don't really embarrass easily i don't really care about talking about sex like why not um so i just made a video basically talking about my mini penis and humping the camera and it was great and i loved (laughs) um and you know but the thing is when you start to dive into doing content around sex you have to really this is this was this is my issue with it i would love to do it but i have to think about how it affects my brand so okay let me if i if i start talking about sex more that might turn away potential brands that don't necessarily like sexual content that's number one thing then i have to think about how instagram breaks that content and we all know that instagram does not favor sexual content in any way shape or form whether it is educational or not they just don't like it you'll get shadow banned end of story so i have to think that then let's say i get shadow banned that then affects my income because i can't do as many ads for say on instagram So it's like, as much as I would love to sit there and just talk about sex all day, it has to be done in a a very, very kind of like strategic way that I basically get around Instagram's algorithm. Um, It also has to be PG enough so that it doesn't turn away brands that want to work with me. That video, although it was seven minutes, originally was 30. I had to cut it down because I was like, some of this is too explicit. Some of it's the language isn't correct or, you know, I wasn't being too inclusive of other people. And I was just talking from my perspective and I was like, no, I want this to be about everybody. I want everyone to relate to um, trans or not. Cause it can, you know, being trans essentially in terms of like, we talk talking about sex. Anybody with body issues could relate to that in a way. Not as, it's not the same thing, but they can relate. Um, so I wanted it to be inclusive in that way. Um, and I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't just referring to sex as in just one, two people. I wanted to make sure that I was referring to sex as in, multiple people having sex also so it was like all of those things that i had to take into consideration um i also had to make sure that it was subtitled because i want to be inclusive to those who are hard of hearing or deaf whichever classification is better for them that was a test start to see basically a how it would land with my audience and the brands that i'd work with and b like how you know how long is it going to take me to put this content together and is it worth it so there's lots to take into consideration when you want to talk about sex basically
1: yeah so much to consider how do you find instagram generally i can find it super overwhelming like i don't go on it at all on weekends and like and that's, that's a decision i've had to make for my mental health because seven days a week of it was just too much five days a week is plenty i've personally learned so much from it not only from the people i follow but also from the people who follow me how have you found it as a platform to to navigate and how are you feeling about it at the moment
2: i have a love-hate relationship with instagram but it's like what you said i think that the most important thing when it comes to social media is boundaries because time you know i remember just before we went into quarantine you know my my page was growing at a rapid pace and i was spending six hours a day on instagram on the basis that i tried to respond to everybody that i still wanted to post i still wanted to like other people's content just doing kind of i call it maintenance on instagram was so time consuming and it was like okay cool six hours a day is is a job Bear in mind, I don't get paid to be on Instagram, so it's like, as much as I want to give to people, I also need to think, what's the better, you know, what's is this good for my mental health? Does this benefit my career? You have to weigh that up consistently. Ultimately, what I've always wanted my Instagram to be, and and it always will be, is a place in which I am truly myself, uh, a place in which I will always talk authentically, Um, in a place that I'm always thoughtful to other people. So I try to be as inclusive as possible as often as I can because I don't want anybody to feel excluded. I think as well, once you start to progress on Instagram, people start to nitpick at you for the things that you don't do. So as much as I could be great, I could be inclusive. It's like if I don't mention one community, it's seen as if I'm either not educated or, you know, I'm not inclusive. And it's not the case. It's just it's consistently it's hard to remember to do everything every single time. And that's the part I kind of dislike about Instagram. It's the nitpicking. It's also the times in which, you know, you have trolls that just come onto your page, basically just to be transphobic. I 100% will always say this. I am up for healthy debate and conversation, even if it's around biology, which doesn't really favour trans people. I will sit there and I'll talk to you about it. And there's been conversations that I've had with people, running people on Instagram, where, you know, the conversation has been quite heated. And they've said, well, I just believe that biology defines your sex and gender and i said okay and that was it and he said thank you like i feel like i had a great conversation he left with his opinion i left with mine and i always want my page to be that it's not it's not it's my belief or the highway i get it we're all we all have different opinions we were all grown up in different ways and that's why we believe certain things and others don't get it so yeah navigating instagram can be quite difficult in terms of how i feel about at the moment i think that i've gotten to the point where a i'm just I'm not posting unless I want to B. I want to use this time to work with more charities. So I think that's important. I'm seeing a lot of charities basically not having enough funding to, to continue. And I would hate to think that so many good charities are closing down on a basis that they, they just basically can't get funded. And then I think the other thing that I just want to do is just be show, like show a side of me that I don't normally show. So experimenting with content, AKA the, you know, the video about sex and dating, um, and just put like nice things in the world like pictures of me and my girlfriend people love her so it's like things like that people that I want it to be a feel-good kind of page at the moment um rather than quite like attackive aggressive activism I would say although I wouldn't classify it as that for the most part I feel like activism seems quite harsh at the moment
1: yeah I I can relate to that (laughs) I did a post last Friday for an article that I wrote and it was very like I, the, the, the article I wrote was really balanced but like the post because you got to play for that algorithm was like very like activisty for six days the six days up until today I've literally been posting like lovely pictures of Blossom <laughs> pictures of like what I've been like recipes of what I've been eating for lunch just yeah. like soft, soft content
2: <laughs> but it's true you have to think about it because it's like if, you, like if you don't like. I feel like any activism right now comes across quite harsh
1: Yeah, it does. It's really a tough time to navigate it, yeah.
2: Unless you really tailor it around the kind of period and talk about corona within it, it's really hard. Like, I don't feel like I could just make a post about, I don't know, like, body politics today and feel okay with it because I just feel like it's too harsh. It's not playing into the times. Lots of people are having rapid different feels of emotions right now. And also, I just kind of feel like it's a waste of content. I, I can just wait till this period's over and, you know run with it rather than try to force content in a time which just isn't right.
1: Can we talk about your experience as a model, please? You've done some really cool things and I'd love to hear about your experience of it and how you got into it and some of your favorite moments and your highlights.
2: All right, you might have to remind me of some of those questions. I'm I'm terrible remembering all things at the same time. (laughs) Basically,
1: we're talking about you being a model.
2: (laughs) Okay, so we'll start at the beginning. There's not much to it, but basically I got signed eight years ago to an agency i didn't want to be a model i just wanted the confidence that models had the lifestyle that models had it just seemed so great i just loved the idea of it i also wanted a way to try to gain confidence i didn't have confidence at that time no self-confidence um so basically i thought it was a good idea to throw myself in front of the camera and basically force myself to grow didn't it doesn't work like that by the way but it, it was nice to think that it does for a moment so yeah Signed signed this modeling contract, and you know, just did little campaigns here and there, little things. Um, lots of extra work. I was on extenders, Hollyoaks, those things like that. it Was cool. Yeah, yeah, loved it.
1: Oh my gosh, so cool. So
2: just little things like that. Met different people. It was just nice. Uh, it was just a nice way to just get out of my environment.
1: So it was the same time that you were doing stocks and share stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this right. is all this is all crossed over. Kind of stocks and trading was my nine to five. And then modeling was just something that if, if it came and I got a booking, I would do it. The kind of bigger campaign, the first kind of big campaign I did before Pig Parcel's I'm On campaign was, um, it was a campaign with Sky. And it was a pride campaign. And it was basically, it took little chunks of people's faces and put it together and saying that, you know, we're all the same basically. And I would see it because it was on the trains and I would see it and I'd be like, that, that smiles mine, like, <laughs> and I love the idea that I was on something. I don't know. It just meant something to see myself represented, basically, um, and I loved that. And I said I want to continue this. So modeled for a while, um, you know. Then did the big the pink parcel campaign, and then it just it just blew up, and I became more demanded as a model. And then I signed to a new agency, and they're a great agency. Super are like probably one of the top twenty agencies in the UK. Um, so I was excited to sign that contract. I was like, yes, now I'm officially a model. Like, I've made it. And then I hit a lot of brick walls with modeling actually and I started to realize that actually a lot of my modeling is circled around my activism because when we when we see male models we we kind of see chiseled jaw six foot plus you know tend to be quite slim mostly white and I'm none of those things (laughs) I have you know I have a decent jawline I'm five foot six um, so when I would I go to castings, the boys would be like six foot and it'd just be my short five foot five self in a lineup of boys that are six foot. It became very obvious that it was gonna be hard for me to be a great model. So then I just decided actually, as much as I wanted to just be a model, I thought that it was more important to be a model with a cause. So that's what I call it. I call it modeling with a cause. And that's kind of like activism. So I basically said to my agency, Hey, I wanna do modeling that basically is more focused around who I am and, and what I represent. And then that kind of just bounced off with my activism. So I found a, ni- like a nice way of making it work. But I think for any, probably what will happen in this conversation is that lots of trans guys will want to know how to become a trans model like, or become a model. And the truth of the reality is you don't hit the criteria for the most part. Most trans men don't. We're just short by genetics. You know, we don't necessarily have all the chiseled jaw. And that's okay. But I think then it's about tailoring what you want to do and what you want to work with. I wouldn't necessarily classify myself as a model anymore, if I'm honest. I would say I'm an activist. That happens to model because you need modeling and you need photos to go along with that activism. But it's taken me God knows how many years to get to that point. So
1: That's good to know before I record the intro to this, to this yeah. podcast. No, no, no,
2: no, no. You can still turn around as being a model and <laughs> activist. For the most part, I would. But I would say my, my life is shifting to another direction. It's more like writer, actor now. But we all start somewhere and modelling was a great way of me just getting comfortable in front of the camera so i forever grateful for that journey of just just real like kind of just like self-realisation.
1: We can absolutely cut this out of the show afterwards but I just wanted to bring it up with you because because my heart has been going out to you. I know you're in a distanced relationship at the moment, just because of the time that we're in. And I was in a long distance relationship with my now husband and we didn't see each other for like 10 weeks at one point. And it was so fucking hard. So my heart like goes out to you at the moment because I know I posted about it the other day and I had so many people message me being like, Oh my God, like, thank you because this is the worst.
2: 100 i'm definitely I'm, I'm open to talk about this um megan actually made a post about it basically saying that she doesn't know how to do with this time one of the big shifts that's happened in our relationship and i feel like it's for every relationship is that you've basically just taken all the physical out you've just gone right there's two aspects to your relationship There's there's communication and there's physical and you've just ripped straight through physical and for us like our love language is very physical we, we also communicate very well we've always been good at that but to just now rely on that became difficult because some days, you know, some days I'm just not in a good mood and I, I don't necessarily feel like talking. And those were the days that we could just sit around and watch a movie, you know, but we don't necessarily have those options anymore. So it's 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 been very, very difficult and every day feels different. And I think the one thing that's kind of like helped us is not to pretend that everything is normal, but try to do things like as normal as possible. So say let's go on a date. So I'll message her or send her a video saying, babe, can we go on a date? And set a time. And like I'll order food and she'll make food. You know, just things like that. And just like cute things. Like I sent her my t-shirt yesterday, which she got this morning. It's just like she can smell me kind of thing. It's been hard. We've had a lot more arguments. And most of the time, just on bullshit. Nothing that's actually fundamentally wrong. Just kind of like frustration. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I
1: remember that so well.
2: Exactly. So
1: taking fights for no reason, just to like. (laughs) because you're so annoyed and you're like I can't be annoyed at anything else I'm gonna be annoyed at you
2: just nitpicking at anything and I think yeah like loads of couples must be struggling with that now and you've just got to navigate in whatever way you can you know one of the things that well me and Megan did before this anyways is what we classify as a me day so whenever I wasn't in a good place mentally I'd say hey babe not feeling too good today I need a me day she wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the day and that was just a way of like creating you know like Obviously, now communicating that she knows that I'm not in the best mood. So, rather than her coming to the conversation with so much energy and me being like, I have nothing to give, we've already established that. So, it's kind of like we know where each other's at. So, it's kind of this time as well has forced us to communicate better because we need to be aligned with one another and how we're feeling. And sometimes, you know, just being around someone, you can tell by their body language and things like that. But obviously, when you take all that out of the way, you don't know. So, every day kind of just felt like guessing how the other person was for the most part. And that forced us to build better communication but I think on the other like opposite end of the spectrum for some couples that don't have good communication this must be so much harder it's basically like rebuilding your relationship really that's what it feels like it just was like rebuilding or building something new
1: it's so weird I still have like because we had to say goodbye so much because my husband's American so he was flying back to America the thought of it brings back trauma Cause it's yeah. so traumatic, like saying goodbye to the, to the person you love the most in the world and not, not, like, not necessarily knowing when you're going to see them again, but it's not forever. And I have to say, like, it definitely did make us stronger and it, uh, it does improve your communication. And also it puts everything into perspective. Like you realize how much that person means to you.
2: Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Like our situation was quite unfortunate because I, I didn't see Megan, I think two weeks before we even went into lockdown just because our, like, our schedules kept clashing. Um, and obviously she's a carer for her sister. We kind of already know that even when everything kind of goes back to normal, she'll probably still have to stay at home and look after her sister until maybe there's a vaccine. She's gonna be the last person basically. or People that have disabilities or are high risk are gonna be the last people to kind of come out of this quarantine period. Um, and as a carer for somebody who has a disability, that means that she's gonna be the last person to come out of this. So when all this lockdown, is finished it may be that we still don't see each other for months until you know there's a way to to navigate this or there's a vaccine so it, it's it's really hard for me I think that's the one thing I'm struggling with because it's kind of like in my mind I built this date up of oh it'll probably be three months but then it's like how longer does that mean then till I see Megan and that you know that, I cried about it I'm not even gonna lie I was very upset because you know she is the love of my life hands down I, I love that. I love that woman. And I've never felt so strongly in a relationship. And I just felt like we were getting to a good part. We've established everything. We've become public. Like our families, had. like we've met each other. It just felt great. And it just felt like it was taken away. And uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. And, I you know, I feel sorry for a lot of people. It's not just me. You know, it's a lot of people. It's everybody who's in a relationship or not even a relationship, but is attached to somebody emotionally, even yeah it's uh i don't even know what to say about it it just kind of feels like heartbreaking
1: yeah it is it's like and it's so it, you can apply it to everything you're so right like friendship family everything i just trying not to because i'm a, a planner as so many of us are i like to know what i'm doing all the time and i'm not able to do that at the moment and the moments i find myself thinking but how long is it going to be i'm like no do not have that thought move it to the back of your mind <laughs> so
2: that's that's the right way because i think then you're kind of you're building this expectation. And then if that expectation doesn't come reality, you're gonna put yourself in a worse position. So I definitely agree that that's the, I'm kind of similar in that way to you of, yeah, let's create, like, let me plan my entire year, my life even, let's just make this work. And so, yeah, whenever it's failed previously, I've been so upset, so I'm like, we can, we can have all these assumptions, Kenny, but we're not, we're not agreeing to anything. We're just kind of taking it day by day, obviously hoping that this is short as possible, but essentially like, we just have to get through this, Kenny like we just have to pull through in whatever way and however we can you know keep ourselves safe keep others safe remind myself consistently why this is important why we're all actually staying indoors i think the clap for the nhs at 8 pm on thursday has been a nice reminder for that for me it's just like you know kind of like a bell in my head like this is why we're doing this this is important this is going to change so many people's lives yeah and holding on to that and just just taking it day by day
1: yeah absolutely can I distract you with a quick fire round?
2: Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> quick fire with Kenny. Breakfast, lunch or dinner? Lunch. Tea or coffee? Tea. Go for a run or go to the gym? Go for a run. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Toast or crumpets? Toast. Marmite or jam? Jam. Beans or cheese?
2: Oh, cheese. <laughs>
1: Whiskey or rum? Whiskey. Spring or summer? Spring. Ability to fly or be invisible? Invisible. Box sets or movies? Movies. Popcorn or pick and mix? Popcorn. Podcasts or Netflix? Uh, Netflix. (laughs) Chocolate or nut butter?
2: (laughs) What? (laughs) Chocolate.
1: (laughs) Chocolate or nut butter? You'd be surprised at how many people say nut butter. I don't even know what that is. Peanut butter, almond butter, cashew butter, hazelnut No,
2: no, get rid of that. Chocolate. (laughs) Not for me.
1: Talking or taste buds? Taste buds. That was quick fire with Kenny. What are your three kitchen essentials? These are three ingredients that knowing you have them in your kitchen make you feel more relaxed about life.
2: Oh, I don't think I can answer this quickly, but I'm going to say flavour tea.
1: Flavour tea.
2: Yeah, flavoured tea.
1: Like herbal tea?
2: Yeah, or like, yeah, all of those kind of teas. Love those, I guess. As opposed to
1: like a black English breakfast tea. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, nah, flavoured tea guy all the way. A fizzy drink? Any form, I just like knowing that one's there for me. Not necessarily that I'm gonna drink it, but just like if I want some spice throughout my day, not actual spice, but you know, just something different. I like that. Um, And the other thing I would say, noodles, definitely noodles. 100% noodles. I don't even know why I had to think about that. Noodles are just so easy. You can eat them at any time of the day. They're usually quick to prepare. They're probably like the most least expensive food to buy. It's just a standard way to go through life. Like your life must include noodles. Like that is life goals. If you want to know how to complete life, it's noodles.
1: (laughs) I'm going to have noodles for dinner. (laughs) What lifts your soul? This is our penultimate question.
2: For the most part, music, you know. Yeah, I feel like I kind of set my day or what I'm doing to my activity with music. So whenever I'm in the gym, I play upbeat music. Whenever I'm writing, depending on what I'm writing, sometimes I play really like depressive music. Sometimes I play jazz because it kind of just helps set the mood. And like, I love the script. I don't know if you know who the script are. Yeah. Oh, I love the script. Like I sang my heart out. Megan bought me tickets as a surprise. And I think
1: I saw this on her stories.
2: I, I, was, I sang my heart out like the heart boy, the boy that was like heartbroken in me was just singing and crying. I had a great time. Um, so sometimes like just to get it out, like my emotions out, I listen to the script. I love, it. I just, my roommate must hate me at times. So I'm just like <laughs> singing the script, and like dumb o'clock. Um, the script has helped me through so many hard times, like passing of my mom, breakups, um, you know, sad times, happy moments. So, Definitely music. Music is like definitely the way to my soul.
1: Great answer. And finally, what is your last meal? Starter, main, and dessert.
2: We can skip the starter. Nobody cares. It's fine. I'm over that.
1: And also, you can have drinks. I feel like you would. You're someone who might want to add drinks to the courses.
2: Well, see, I'm in a sticky situation because I'm trying sobriety at the moment, but I would love a Jack and Coke. So,
1: (laughs) it's the last time. Why not?
2: Yeah, Jack and Coke. Meal: steak with any any version of potato whatever chips mash don't care and my dessert would be banoffee pie
1: oh good shout I
2: love banoffee pie like oh, oh. But, like people that don't like banoffee pie I'm like something is I don't understand your taste buds like how can you not it's just the greatest thing on this planet
1: I like it as well no I I'm, I'm I'm into it
2: good I'm glad otherwise we'd have to cancel this podcast <laughs> how can you not like banoffee pie <laughs> no I'm playing it's just my thing love banoffee
1: I'm hoping there'll be a side of cabbage as well with the main. Do you know what?
2: If I had to choose between cabbage or steak, I'm not going to lie, that's like probably one of my life's most difficult decisions. And I don't think I'd be able to make it. I feel like someone would have to make it for me.
1: I should have added that to the quick (laughs) fire too late now. (laughs) Kenny, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure.
2: Thank you for having me. I've had a great time.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed or gained something from our conversation, please do share the link with a friend or take a screenshot of the artwork and post it on your Instagram stories. It really helps me get the word of the podcast out there. Do hit the show notes for links to Kenny and his work and I've also left you some recommended episodes if you're new to the podcast. I want to say a huge shout out to Vivo Life for sponsoring this season and I'll see you back here next week for a brand new episode. (laughs) Bye-bye.